Okay, so today's stuff officially is Zion Tech 79. We're a little behind. We start at the very bottom of Zion Chemad Aleph. Um, we are dealing with the issue of uh, the women who uh, are forbidden to a Kohen. Very important discussions yesterday. First of all, distinguishing between the definition of a Chalala and a Zonah. Um, also, the very critical question about whether it's a prohibition of marriage or of sex. The Gemara discusses the Kohen Gadol and makes it clear that it's a prohibition um, for... Uh, 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 well, marriage followed by sex is the Yisra of Lo Yikach. According to Abai, just marriage alone is that Yisra, is that prohibition. And sex alone is the Yisra of Lo Yichalel. Um, by Machzir Grusha, so not relating to Kohen, it's marriage that culminates in sex. Well, the one very <laughs> important question that the Gemara never directly discusses is what about a normal Kohen? And there, Raizid and Rashi think that that's just like the Kohen Gadol, that there's an Yisra of sex by itself. According to Rambam, by a normal Kohen, the Yisra is just just marriage. Um, there is no Isser of sex. There's just an Isser of marriage, which is very significant because, uh, you know, one of the issues we've been discussing is nowadays when you deal with those issues about a Kohen and a Grusha or a Kohen and a Gioret and how uh, when they fall in love and, you know, and then there's a question about getting married, sometimes it's like trying to find a way to fa- say that the woman wasn't really a, a Grusha or maybe she wasn't a Gioret. Maybe you can find out that she really is descendant of Jews or to say that the Kohen isn't really a Kohen. Sometimes those solutions are not available. Um, and then, according to those positions, the position of the Rambam is they don't actually have a halacha kiddushin, they wouldn't actually be in violation. Although the children would still be halalim. Because the other thing that we learned yesterday is when a Kohen has sex with a woman who is forbidden to him as a Kohen, um, then the woman becomes a halala and the children become a halalim. And that does apply even to a Kohen hediot. So that would be an interesting sort of, not full solution, but anyway, that's interesting to, at least to note that even though the children are halalim, for the Rambam, there's no prohibition without marriage. That's in terms of the general prohibition. And then we turned our focus to the issue of Gioret, where um, there's nowhere in the Torah that says that a Gioret is forbidden. We saw, according to Rabbi Yehuda, it's actually some type of a stigma status, some type of thing that somebody starts as a non-Jew, and therefore they can even pass down even the child of a male gear, according to Rabbi Yehuda, would be puzzled to a Kohen. According to another position in the Gemara, um, Rabbi Elizabeth Yaakov, if one parent is, is, is naturally born Jew, it's not a problem, but if both parents are gerim, that's also the status that passes down. And finally, the position of Rabbi Yossi, that says it's only a problem if the person actually converted herself. A child of gerim is not a problem. And a fourth position, that of Rabbi Shimbar Yochai, that said that actually only if the person converts when she's the age of three or older, under than that it is not a problem. We are going to see that we rule like Rabbi Yossi, that even if the person converts under the age of three, they are puzzled to a Kohen. And there's an interesting question. Let's say they actually were conceived as a non-Jew and converted in utero, which happens when pregnant women convert. Um, and according to that, according to many Rishonim because of the language of the Gemara that says she has to be Nizre'ab Yisrael seed the, the seed is planted as meaning conceived as a Jew that even that woman would be forbidden to a Kohen so according to all of those it has nothing to do with any concern of sexual activity on behalf of the woman it just has to do with the fact that somehow she began life as a non-Jew um, and that is what well what can I tell you it's true though because where's the Pasuk um, as, a point, as opposed to Reb Shimbar Yochai who by, by distinguishing between the age of three and under three and over three based on the Pasuk by Midyan Asher Lo Yodu Mishkav Zachar 
seems to have something to do with either having had sex or the possibility of having had sex. Now, where is this learned from? So, we learned yesterday that the Gemara learns it out from the Pasuk by Yechezkel that says that they cannot marry, they can only marry Bisulot Mizera Beit Yisrael. So, from the Jewish seed, from Jewish descent. Um, so, um, according to a number of Rishonim, that is a Drabanan or a Divrei Sofrim, it is not a Dioraita. According to others, we learn from that Pasuk in Yechezkel what the Torah's definition of Zona is. Funny to put it in the Zona category. Again, that seems again to connect to the idea of sex. Um, the Nafkamina, whether it's Doraisa or Abanan, what Nafkamina is, whether the children would be Chalalim. If it's not really a Doraisa prohibition, then we have never seen this idea that there's a rabbinic category of Chalalim, although it's an interesting question also what's the story about a child of a Chalutz, actually. Maybe there is a rabbinic category of Chalalim. But anyway, according to a number of poskim, if this is only rabbinic, the children would not be Chalalim between the Kohen and the Giorit. So that's interesting. The other interesting part is, though, the flip way. That way, if you have it as a Drabanan, it is less severe, right? But the other part, though, is if you have it as a Drabanan, then it's more this, totally this Pasuk in Yechezkel, and it's absolute. If you're not of Jewish descent, end of story. Mm-hmm. Whereas, if you focus on that as telling you the problem of the Torah's category of Zona, it's explaining to you what's in the category of Zona, then that ultimately seems to link to a concept of sex. So, for example, there's a Rashi Nivamot that seems to go against everything we're saying here, that seems to indicate that a Giyot is only a problem if she actually had sex as a non-Jewish woman, completely against everything we're saying here. But at least that shows you that if you're fitting it into the Zona category, it might somehow be linked to a concept of, of sex. So there are some posts nowadays that I know, no, I don't think anybody's written about this, but are like speculating about scenarios where let's say somebody um, is raised Jewish. I mean, essentially be not different than the Gemara's case about a woman that converted while the, while the child was in utero. Or let's say a child is adopted as a very young child and raised in a Jewish family. So even though she started not Jewish, there's no, you know, I mean, the whole idea that being raised as a non-Jew means you're more likely to have had sex at a, you know, premarital sex or whatever. I mean, we can even question those realities nowadays, although we do live in a generally sexually promiscuous or permissive world, but still, but let's say raised in a from Jewish family and so on and converted, you know, at a young age, would you put that in the same Zona category? Okay, but, uh, you know, that is something to speculate on, but in our Gemara, there is nothing that hints to the idea that it is about a concern that she actually had sex. All of these rules are learned from this Pasuk in Yechezkel and the very fact that it's based on the idea of even if she was conceived, even if she was converted in utero, she still is in that category, does not seem to allow for that for that a type of an approach. But there are other Gemarot and those Rishonim who want to say that this ultimately becomes a Zona problem, a Doraita problem. On the one end, it's more weighty because it's Doraita, but on the other hand, it somewhat links it to a world of having had sex, and that maybe can allow for some exploring of exactly what those parameters are. All right, so that's a catch-up of yesterday. Let's now continue. Last line on Ayin Chermer Aleph. I'm going to Rav Nachman LeRavas. Rav Nachman said to Rava. Okay, now top of Ayin Chermer with that. Hi, Kra. This pasuk in Yechezkel, Reish Bekoin Gadol, the Sefer Bekoin Hediot. What do you do with this pasuk? The beginning of the pasuk says you can't marry an Amana. 
which is talking about a Kohen Gadol. And the end says, Kihim b'sulot mizera be'i Yisrael, which is what which we say refers to a normal Kohen, that he has to, and that's where we learn out the prohibition of a convert. Kihim b'sulot mizera be'i Yisrael refers to Kohen Gadol, No, we said it refers to a normal Kohen. We, that's the way we're choosing to read it. So what, how do you split this puzzle? The beginning is a Kohen Gadol, Kat Marin Alman, and the end is a normal Kohen, where you learn that it has to be somebody born Jewish. So the Gemara says, I'm relating, yes, so the says, can it possibly be written that way? Half about one group of people and the other about another half? Yes, this is by Shmuel, who, you know, was given over to Eli HaKohen, and the uh, light of God had not yet been extinguished. And Shmuel was lying down in the uh, sanctuary. So how could Shmuel be lying down in the sanctuary? Nobody's allowed to sit, even sit in the Azar in the courtyard, except for kings of, uh, from the house of David. Ella, here's I have to read the Pasuk. The, the light had not yet not extinguished in the sanctuary, the light of the menorah. That's how we're reading it, although you could have read that Pasuk a little more metaphorically. The Shmuel and Shmuel was lying down where he was lying down, not in the Azara. He was lying in the uh, you know, in the outer precincts of the t- of the temple. So you take the Heichal Hashem at the end of the Pasuk and you take it out of its context and you put it at the beginning of the Pasuk. So sometimes you're able to do that, to like chop up a Pasuk. Not exactly the same point. It's not the same thing. I know. We're going to get there. All right, we're going to get there. Okay, so the Gemara says, um, okay, uh, some, an, a widow who is a widow from a Kohen they can marry. So the Gemara says, one minute. You can marry a widow of a Kohen, you can't marry a widow of Israel. If the end of the Pasuk is already talking, that says, Mizera Beit Israel. It's talking about a Kohen at Yod, so Kohen and Yod can marry a normal Almana. So Hachikav, now this is how you have to read it. That all the other Kohanim can marry an Almana. Meaning the way they're reading the Pasuk is, Almana V'grusha Lo Yikachu. Don't marry an Almana and a Grusha. That's a Kohen Gadol. Ki in Zera Mideh Yisrael. Ki in Betulot Mizera Beit Yisrael is a Kohen Het Yot, which we say means a naturally born Jew, not a Giyaret. As Almana, Sheret Yia Almana, but some Somebody who is an Amana, Mikohen Yikachu, all the other Kohanim who are Kohen Hedyots, they can marry an Amana. I don't know. Mishar Kohanim, all the other Kohanim, not the Kohen Gadol we were talking about at the beginning of the Pasuk, but the other Kohanim, they can marry an Amana. Okay? Look, this is why they wanted to be Gone Sefer Yechezkel, because the Pshat of the Pesukim contradict the Torah, and we're rereading it in a way to reconcile it. Not just in there. Okay. What it means is that you can marry a widow, a person who is a widow, from people, from men who could marry off their daughters to Kohanim. Which man cannot marry his daughter to a Kohen? A ger. This is Rabbi Yehuda Lakol who says a ger, a daughter of a ger can't marry a kohen. Rabbi Yehuda Taimi, Damer Bat Ger Zachar, Kibat Chalal Zachar. So therefore, a ger, his daughter can't marry a kohen, right? That's Rabbi Yehuda's position. And therefore, his almana can't marry a kohen. Why can a ger's almana not marry a kohen? Because if his daughter becomes is, is possible, his wife is also possible. Essentially, he makes his wife into a type of a chalala. Okay, kol shato no se bito, ato no se amanaso. If you can marry his daughter, you can marry his widow. You cannot wear, marry his daughter, you can't marry his widow. So that's how we reconcile the Pasuk in Yechezkel. But bottom line is, 
From this Pasuk in Yechezka, which clearly goes against Pshat of the Torah, we learn out the idea that a, the Isser of a Gioret, of according to Mary, a Gioret, and then these different opinions. Is it such a problem that it passes down from father to child? Or is it only a problem in somebody who actually converted herself? Or according to Rabbi Shem Bar Yochai, the most lenient position, only if she converted after the age of three. Now, how do we rule this? So the, here we come. Here, here, here's the conclusion of the Gemara. Rabbi Yosi Omer Afger Shenasa Gioret. So Rabbi Yosi says the child of a Ger and a Gioret is fine. It's only a problem about the person who converted herself. Amar Rav Amnuna Mishmei Dula Halach Rabbi Yosi. We rule like Rabbi Yosi. Okay, that's a big deal. At least the person who's a child of converts can marry a Kohen. We really like Rabbi Yosi. But that being said, once the Beis was destroyed, the Chanim adopted, like, like uh, Michael was saying, Malab in a higher level amongst themselves, and they, they ruled, the, in practice, they, they didn't rule like, but they practiced, like Rebbe Lezer ben Yaakov. Rebbe Lezer ben Yaakov is the one who says that if the, which one was he? He was the one that says, um, uh, right. Only the daughter of two, the daughter of two converts, they would not marry. The daughter of two converts would be a problem. It's actually interesting that they began this higher level of practice after the base of Mikdash was destroyed. You would have thought when there was a base of Mikdash and they were serving in the base of Mikdash, they would have adopted this higher level. Maybe it's a way to react against it. Like, don't think that we've lost our kedusha. You know, we lost our status now that there's no base of Mikdash. No, we're actually going to adopt even greater stringency. So they would actually not marry, marry the daughter of two uh, of two Gerim. If somebody asks a Shaila, you pass into them like Rebbe Lezim and Yaakov, you shouldn't marry the daughter of two Gerim. Nasah, once a person gets married, then the Deavid, you were like Rebbe Yossi, that, uh, that the daughter of Gerim is, even of two Gerim, can marry a Kohen, it is only somebody who converted herself. Yes, Charlie. Are there any other cases where the halakha is not like Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov and Mishnah? I, I, I'm sure there are, but I cannot tell I you offhand. <laughs> okay. Alright, next Mishnah. So that is the end of Cohen and Gioret. Very, very, uh, relevant cases nowadays. Some of the more challenging cases in Halacha are, are dealing with those situations. Okay, next Mishnah. Homer, Benizem, Mamzer. Now we are getting out of the Yuxin in terms of identifying who is who and, uh, determining what are the parameters, you know, the child of whom can marry whom, the child of a halal, the child of a ger. And now we're getting with um, the issue of who is believed to make claims about somebody's halachic status. So if a man says, my son, this son of mine is a mamzer, ain't no naman, he's not believed. Now you have Partly ain't no Russia. Partly also because presumably you know who the mother is. So if you know who the mother is, and you know he, the mother isn't related to him, then the only way he's saying that it's a mamzer is basically saying he's not my son. So he's actually testifying about somebody that isn't his son. A person might be believed about his son, but here he's actually testifying, you, everybody gets the point? If you know who the mother is, the mother is his wife, and you know that his wife isn't his sister or something like that, then the only way the kid is a mamzer is if he's basically saying somebody else is the father. Well, if somebody else is the father, why do you have more belief than, believability than anybody else, any other random person off the street? Okay? But if you say that this person that you've all assumed was my kosher wife is actually my sister, right? Then it's also an issue about Macy Matsmo, Russia, you know, and other types but of issues. But is there like any Umdurah like saying, yeah, you know what? I was away this whole year in a business trip. Yes, that's a different story, but that's not him being believed, okay? Uh, uh, circumstantial evidence. Okay, even if the mother agrees, yes, this child of the mom's there, there's another man is the father of my child, even then, 
you wouldn't believe that to be Kiddush, right? Now, even if the child is in utero, if they said his mamzer ain't him their money, they not believe them. You don't make their money, no, they are believed him. We'll see in the Gemara. It sounds like Shem. The Gemara is going to say even the first case. Let's take a look. My What's the Kiddush if both of them agree when the child is in utero? It's a big Kiddush. It goes without saying that he's not believed. How does he know who the father is? Okay, I mean, how, how does he know enough to say he's not the father? Say, I mean, obviously, you could make up circumstances where he would know. But anyway, even she, who she knows who the father is, she's not believed. Right? Why should she be believed? Where do you get that a rant, that that eight echad is believed? This is a question about personal status, and you would need personal status. You would need two witnesses. So even the people that are in a position to know, they're not believed. They're just an eight echad. Anyway, she's a woman, okay? But anyway, it doesn't matter. Like nobody here is believed. Not only in the case where the child's already been born, and we've been presuming that the child is okay, and he has a presumption of being kosher. And lafilu uber nami. Even in utero, delayed that he's a fetus. So they say Chazaka the Kadosh. Nobody has any presumption yet about his status. He doesn't yet. He's not yet a person to have an identity, a halachic status. Lo they're not believed. Okay. So this is the basic principle. Eidachad is not believed unless you're in a position. Not. It's not enough to be in a position to know. You have to have a special status of being of being given more believability than a normal person. And that's going to be Reb Yehuda's position. So let's take a look. In one minute, they're believed. Tiritani, we turn in Bryce. Yakir. It says, Kiyas Bechor Ben Asnua Yakir. The father should recognize his firstborn son to give him the double portion. Okay, It means that he identifies him to others. Even if others don't know who the firstborn is, he's believed to identify who his firstborn son is. He's believed to say, This is my firstborn son. Fine, everybody agrees to that. But now Rabbi Yudah takes it one step further. He's believed to say that the mother is a grusher chalutzam a kohen. The child is a halal. And presumably if he's believed to say the child is a halal, he's also believed to say the child is a mamza. Of course, again, saying the child is a mamza goes one step further. If he says the mother's my sister, maybe that's similar to saying the mother's a grusha. But if he's saying that this is another man's child, then he's not even testifying about his own child. So that's a much bigger chiddush. Anyway, but that's what Reb Yudah learned out. Once a person is believed to recognize his child as a bechor, he's recognized to make any claim about the status of his child. All right? The chamimomim... Right. He presumably, which is a huge chiddush. The chamimomim eno neman. He's not believed in anything other than bechor. That you're believed to identify the status of your child. The man is, at least. Not the woman. Not the mother, which is, again, ironic. What's the Chiddush to say that you identify who your Bechor is? But Yeah, in a case where it's not known to people who the firstborn is. You come into a new town. Nobody knows who your firstborn is. Or you had two wives. And you didn't have twins. Right, exactly. You could have cases where you need testimony who the firstborn is. For Bechor purposes. So the Mordechai says, Pshita, Lamali Kra. Of course you could believe, be believed. Why would you need a Pasuk? You could just, since I could, if I, if I wanted to lie, I could have just given this guy a double portion by just giving him a, a gift. So, Milo So I could give him, so then I should be believed to say he's a Bechor and he gets a double portion. Because I, I, you know, I don't need the Pasuk to tell me that. I could have done it if I wanted to anyway, because I could have just given him a gift. Of course, the funny thing is, if you would have given him a gift, 
another child would have had a double portion. If you wanted to give everybody else a same portion and him a double, you'd have to distribute all your money as a gift and have none of it as inheritance, which also in theory could work. Of course, the pro- you know, but, but then you'd have to worry about the taxes. <laughs> I mean, nowadays there'd be a big difference about whether somebody gets it as an inheritance or as a gift in terms of taxes. But okay, the Gemara wasn't dealing with that. So the Gemara says, of course you believed. You could have just done it as a gift. So why would you not be believed? So the Gemara says, so no. The, uh, uh, no. no, no, no. You wouldn't be believed, it wouldn't work for property that you inherited after you gave the gift. So when you say, this is my firstborn son, that statement is going to work on any earnings and money that you get after you made that statement. And then you're going to live another 20 years and then you'll die. And everything you've earned in that last 20 years also he gets a double portion. Whereas if you wanted to give it as a gift, it would only work on what you already own. It wouldn't work on your stuff. Right, but, but this is telling you that you're believed to be yakir 20 years before you die. Okay? That I wouldn't have known that you would be believed 20 years before you die in a statement to be effective for everything else that you've earned afterwards. So the Gemara says, one minute. But going to Rabbi Meir, you can give a gift for things you don't yet own. So why do I need the Pasuk? Even without the Pasuk of Yakir, I could have given this kid, I could say, I'm giving you a double portion as a gift on everything I have now and everything I'll get in the future. And since you would have been, that would have worked as a gift, you should be believed to just say that he's your son. So why do you need a Pasuk to say, I mean, that he's your firstborn? Why do you need a Pasuk to tell you you're, that he's your firstborn, that you're believed? So the Gemara says, now, because that you're, you're recognizing him as your Bechur, which even on property that you inherit when you're on your deathbed. And that, a gift ahead of time wouldn't have worked for. Now, why not? Why can't I give a gift now? If I can give a gift, you know, why can't I give a gift now to take effect on all of the property I have when I'm there at my deathbed, you know, my last minute of, uh, my, at my last minute? So Raji makes it sound, he has a very interesting debate of Rashi and Tosos. Rashi makes it sound like when somebody is literally in their death throes, even though technically they're still alive, somehow they have lo- lost a certain power of agency. And they're not able to legally, uh, to, you know, do any... The One minute. They're not ably, able to legally do any... No, no, no. That's a shchimera. Shchimera is on the deathbed. Ghost face is like literally at the last Rose minutes of dying. life in the throes of death. Okay, so they've lost agency and they're not able... Now, if somebody were to kill this person, it would still be murder. We're not going ahead and saying like, you know, euthanasia or anything like that. They're still considered living, but they're in an interesting category. They're almost like somewhat like the flip of like a katan. You know, like a Katan is also a, a, a human being, but he doesn't have legal standing. So to some degree, that's how Rashi would understand somebody as a ghost. Tosa strongly disagrees, based on certain Gemaroth, and Tosa says, no, 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 the only thing we're dealing with is that often when somebody is a ghost, they're no longer able to speak. So therefore, now it's funny, even if you can be Maknadava Shalom Bala Olam, says Tosa, it can only work when it takes effect uh, when you're in a position to do it yourself, which includes just being physically able to do it yourself. So, according to Rabbi Mayer, if you gave a gift to take effect a year from now, and a year from now you were not able, not only to not speak, but to not signal, to not in any physical way effect the transaction, even though you were a legal entity empowered to effect the transaction, it would not take effect if you were not physically 
able to do so. Now. So, th- now. so that is, you know, now. So that's an interesting point because you would think that that shouldn't be a problem of Machin Davashelobalolam since legally you have that power even if physically you don't. But that becomes an interesting debate of Rashi and Tosos whether a Gosei's somehow does not have full legal power. Rashi says he does not, so since he does, he just might not have full physical power to do it. Okay, yes, Michael. There's two questions about that. Do we have all these scenarios that a person said, I'm going to give this, get this, take a the effect that minute before I die, minute before I die, I might be in Gosei. Are we saying all those wouldn't work? Cause yeah, so work. that's partly what Sotosos deals with, but it's again, it's a little different with a might require greater than to do the do it now to take effect later. I actually slightly misphrased it before. It wasn't just take effect later. It was actually, it was property that I don't even own now. It's a transfer property that I have later. So you're right. Now I can do an act to take effect even when I'm a ghostface. Okay, but what I can't do is I can't be mocking that property that I only take possession of when I'm a ghostface. You're right. I, 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 I was a little imprecise. And my other question was, yes. you know, Mara probably didn't address any of this, but you know, what about my whole case of the What? The Ungana. Like in other words, you know, again, like she knows you know that this guy's been away for... Yeah, but that doesn't matter. That doesn't give you... Oh, if we know he's been away, that's different. Then that's then not believing your claim. That's us just observing the evidence. Then, that might be different. Said that we don't know, but like, we know he's not away. We know this guy isn't the father. So we then... We well, then it doesn't matter, matter who the father is. Mom said, we know for sure this guy's the father. Right. Yeah, that does... Yeah, that might be... Yeah, but that has nothing to do with their claims. Okay, let's look at the next Mishnah. Somebody go gave a permission to an agent to marry off his daughter, and then he was concerned that the guy wasn't going to find someone. And then the father went and married her himself. So now we're totally out of the world of Yochsin. We're back to some normal Kiddushin acts here. Okay? Very normal. Well, anyway, to me it's like much less of a headache than the Yochsin thing. If he did the act first, that was a, that was a, a, a negating of the Shlichos, and the Kiddushin is binding. His Kiddushin is binding, not the Shaliyah. If the Shaliyah did it first, so that Shlichos was still good, and Kiddushin, Kiddushin, the Shaliyah's Kiddushin is good, and his act is no good. If you don't know who went first, Shneim right, haha, very funny. Shneim knows him get. Then they both have to, uh, they both have, they both have to give, oh, okay, now I have to tell the joke, which is, so, right, because I'll figure out, trying to figure out, like, which is the real, which is the real chassan, right? So the story is, is that the neighbor town sent to this neighboring town, like, there was two, two single, young, young, young women, two young boys, they sent over two boys to, to marry the two women, the neighboring town, and they came, but on the way, one of them, you know, had an accident or whatever, died, and only one boy showed up. So the, the so the, uh, the 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 parents were arguing like who was you know which 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 girl was going to get the boy you know so one mother said he's for my daughter the other one said no he's for my daughter so they brought it to the rabbi so the rabbi said all right I got a great solution Yachloka right Solomon's solution we'll just cut him in half each one of you gets <laughs> half of that so. So one of them says, Oh no, Chasvishalom, such a not a ehrlich young boy, how could you oh. do such a thing? It's terrible, Chasvishalom, Chasvishalom, you know, she even said, let her have it. The other one says, No, it sounds to me, good solution. So I says, Oh, you're the real mother in law. Alright. Anyway, alright, moving on. So, you don't know who the Chasin is. Anyway, we're not going to do Yachlok, thank you, thank you, Michael, for that. So you don't know who the Chasin is. So, Shneim knows Ninget, so if this girl wants to marry some other girl, man, 
So they both have to give a get, because either one might be the chassan. The imrotsu, but if they agree, echad nos and get, one can agree to get, one will give a get, fechad konis, and the other can marry. Because either the husband gave the get, and now this is a new wedding, or some guy who wasn't the husband gave a get, and this is the guy she was married to anyway, that she's marrying. Or a woman, woman gave permission, empowered a shaliach, to marry her, to, you know, to accept seduction for her. Then she got anxious, and she went and she married herself off. If she married herself before the shaliach did, hers is binding, and implicitly, like, you know, she negated the shaliach, or it doesn't really matter, moot. she married herself off, so then, once the shaliach got around to do it, it didn't mean anything. And if the shaliach went first, the shaliach's act is still good, and obviously her act is too late. Part of the chiddush here is, you would say, that if she's going around trying to marry herself off, even before she has succeeded, may Maybe that is an implicit negating of the shaliach. She sent her shaliach, and then she's going, and she's like, you know, it's like trying to find for herself somebody to marry her. Maybe that shows she no longer. No, we say no. She wants the shaliach to work, and uh, but she, you know, until she does her own kiddushin, she has not negated the shaliach. If it's not known, shneim nosim laget, both have to give her a get. Which beam rotsu if they want, echad nosim laget echad konis. One gives the get, and the other marries her. Yes, Michael. So what I'm trying to understand is like you know, based on this mishnah and and. Plenty of others. Like, yeah. you know, it all sounds like, you know, all right, you know, like, you just go, like, you seem to get the first person to say fine, and then you don't know, right? Right. But we have this other mission that if you, um, or maybe we remembering, forget, maybe just go on it, but, like, you know, you gotta know. You, you saw you can check, like, well, all right, the Gemara is going to get to that a little bit. Well, just because you're supposed to doesn't mean people did, and there's also different, you know, different standards between Yisrael and Kohanim, right? So some of the whole checking had to do with Kohanim. Going back even further, wasn't it? No, that was when a Kohen wanted to marry a Bas Yisrael. He had to go back even further. Yeah, Michael. Uh, the, uh, Charlie. Charlie. The last Whatever your name is. Yeah. The other married, right. That's not going to work if the guy is a Kohen. Uh, one what? One minute? So the last solution here, one gives a get and the other, uh, and the other marries her. Right. I presume that's not going to work if the guy is a Kohen. What do you mean? Uh, right. That's correct. Correct. It will not work if he's a Kohen. Yes, correct. Okay. So, that's what we can you need to tell me both the scenario of the father making a shaliach and of her making a shaliach. If it had just said by the father, there you go, Michael. The father knows, you know, it, you know, knows about who's miyuchas to whom, and therefore he says, you know what, I'm going to do it myself, and I'll make sure I get a nice miyuchas. Um, uh, one minute, let me just check Rashi. One minute. Right. right, so the father says, I know who I'll be able to find is somebody who's miyuchas for my daughter. So therefore, when he went down and married off his, and, 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 and did it himself, he was, he, that took, you know, then, then that negated the shlichus. He was really, he was doing it for real. Aval, so what's that in contrast to? Ijita, for the woman, now it's assuming when the woman made a shaliach, she made a man as a shaliach, okay? So she made a man as a shaliach, so then I'm sending a man to go, to go find for me a husband. So her presumption is that her male shaliach is more, knows better than she does to find a guy who's miyuchas. Okay, so therefore, see, she to some degree really trusts her mayor shaliach more than she trusts herself. Mm-hmm. And therefore, maybe even if she were to do it herself, it was really like, 
only if my shaliach doesn't find anyone. But if my shaliach finds somebody, even after me, I'd rather the shaliach sex be binding than my own. That would have been the havamina. Okay? Just go to the well. Maybe she doesn't want her kiddushin to be binding. As long as her male shaliach finds somebody, she'll trust him more than she'll trust herself. And what she did was only as a backup if her shaliach didn't find anyone. Okay, Vyashmun and Gabi Dida, never told me by her, because a woman actually pays attention to who she's marrying. Okay, Aval. <laughs> so therefore, she marries this guy when she, if she really wants to, and forget about her Shaliach. Aval but the father who's marrying off his daughter, Ema lo Right, now it doesn't mean a man doesn't care who he's marrying, because the Gemara normally says a man more cares who he's marrying than a woman cares who she's marrying. But a father, what does he really care what husband he finds for? his daughter any guy will do as long as he'll take her in and pay for her food he doesn't really care so much he's not going to have to live with the guy his daughter's going to have to live with the guy so in that case since he doesn't care so much maybe he also is not really preferring his guy over the shaliach maybe he's just marrying somebody as a backup if the shaliach doesn't find anyone but he's not really wanting his act to take precedence over that of the shaliach okay so tzricha you need both cases fine what? Right, that's the basic point. Correct. Okay, Itma. Now, here's a very interesting debate of Rav and Shmuel, which is going to last us for the rest of the year. She went ahead, her father went, and he was off in, uh, you know, he, he, he was off, he was somewhere there in Connecticut, and he married off his daughter, and she was back in New, in, in New York, and she married herself off. Alright? The Kishasma Beir. Varehi Bogeret. And now we come to figure out whose Kiddushin took place, and we look at her and we see she's a Bogeret. She wasn't she, before. Ah, but we don't know how old she was when they were doing their acts of Kiddushin. Okay? If she was a Nara when they did the Kiddushin, the father's act took, was binding and not hers. If she was a Bogeret, her act was good, not the father's. Now we know she's a Bulgarian, but we don't know how. She never made Nobody made anybody a Shaliach. We don't know how old she was when they were when they were doing their respective acts of Kiddushin. Okay, so Ravamar Harehi Bulgaris of Anenu. She's a Bulgaris now. We should assume she was a Bulgaris when the acts of Kiddushin were taking place, and right, and which we're going to get to, and the father's act was not binding, and her act was. No, Now she's a Bulgaris, but we know she started life as a Ketan and a Nara, so we don't know which one to weigh in favor of, her current status or her past status. So therefore, we have to say, we don't know whose Kiddushin was binding, whether it was when she was a Nara or Bogaris, and it's like the case in the Mishnah. Both men have to give her a get. Okay. Amos. Now the Gemara says, when did this act of Kiddushin take place? Ilema Betoshisha, during the six months from the time she became a Nara, she had two pubic hairs, within six months of that time, how would Rav then say, well, now she's a Bulgaris, we'll assume she was a Bulgaris during that six months period, which was when she, right? So you understand, like, basically, okay, here she's a Nara, here she's a Nara, okay, thank you, then there are six months, okay, and now, at this stage, (laughs) what? Far bigger, far bigger, okay. (laughs) <laughs> and here she's a bigger, somewhat bigger. Here she's a Bogaret. Now, it could be though, we normally assume ap- after six months she automatically becomes a Bogaret. But actually, there's a discussion about that she could actually have, show certain 
signs of puberty about like in terms of, 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 the, of breast growth or whatever that actually make her bulgaria that, that are actual physical signs of purity okay but we assume that that only happens after six months we assume that won't happen during six months okay so now here when they're all this is harei bulgaris lefanenu right now right harei bulgaris lefanenu but when did we're looking at her now and we see that she's a bulgaria but when were they doing their acts of kiddushin Okay, so they were doing their acts of kiddushin here. Okay, here's this guy, and he's saying hareyat. Okay, and then here's the guy with the father, and he's saying harei bitchas kudeshetli. Okay, all right, they're doing their acts of kiddushin sometime during this period. So we're saying that she's a bogeret now. But why would we assume she would be a bogeret when the kiddushin took place during that six months? Presumably, under most cases, you know, that, that, she doesn't become a bulgaret during the first six months, so we should assume that, that it's, she was an ara. Okay? Ama. So the Gemara says, Who cares that she's a bulgaret now? We would say we should say it happened now, after six months, not during the six months, because we should presume that that never, that, you know, under normal circumstances, that never happens during the six months. Okay, let's say these acts happened after the six months. Okay, right? So let's say the, let's say here was where the six months were over. Okay, so if that's true, and these acts happened here. So then why would Shmuel disagree? After six months, we're expecting her to become a Bulgarian. Okay? Uh, if, the, if, if the acts of Kiddushin took place after six months, why would we be concerned that she might have been a Nara? Shmuel says, there's, it's ex- ne- once it's six months, she's definitely a Bulgarian. There's never more than six months. So what's the case? Within six months, we should presume it hasn't happened yet. Once it's six months, it definitely happened. What's the debate? The year later, we don't know when it was. So the Gemara, well, you could say that. The Gemara says, well, Tzricha de Kaddish, Tahu Yoma de Mashlim Shisha. No, these acts of Kiddushin that the father and the daughter did happened on the wow. day of the six months. The day that you are wow. expecting her to actually achieve physical maturity. So by the end of the day, Shmuel will say it definitely happened. But by the beginning of the day, you're expecting it to happen sometime during that day, but you don't know exactly when. Okay? And the father married her first, and then she married herself. And you don't know when exactly that happened. Did it happen at the beginning of the day, so the father's kiddushin was no good? Or did it happen later in the day, and the father's kiddushin was good? Okay? Bahu Yoma Damashlim Shisho. Okay. Uh, where were we? Um, okay. Um, Bogeres, but Safranami Bogeres, since now she's a Bogeres at 4 p.m., um, she was a Bogeres at 9 a.m. when the father did, did the Kiddushin, and therefore it's the father's is no good. No, we assume it happened now, but since she started yesterday, she was a Nara, we assume she continued to be a Nara until we have evidence otherwise, even though now she's a Bogeres. Okay, so now what we are dealing with is a case where something had a certain chazaka to begin with. It was a chazaka that was in the process of changing, and now we have evidence that it changed. What do we do with that uncertain time between when we know it had that status, old status, and when we know it has that new status? So as Michael correctly said, this is the classic case of the mikvah. 
let's take a look. She well, okay. would say, though, is the next day, even if there were no Simanim, she would still be a Naira? No, she would say once in six months she's a Bulgarian. Right. Marishnami Mikvah. Now, how is this different from a Mikvah? Not. Mikvah Shinim Dead Vinim Sachaser. A Mikvah was measured, and you found it had less than 40 Sa'ah. Now, you knew it started with 40 Sa'ah. Now you have 39. And this is a Chazaka that's in the process of changing because slowly a Mikvah is losing water. Okay? So in that case, do you go by its past status or its present status? Okay, so let's take a look. Um, everything that was done in the past, any dunkings that were done, you assume everybody, all objects, all people are Tameh, even if it took place in a Rishut HaRabim. Rishut HaRabim, we normally say a Safek is Tahor. But this is saying we don't have a Safek. Whether it's Rishut HaRabim or whether it's Rishut HaYachim, we say it's Vadai no good. So that seems like a total ruling in favor of Rav. Right now it's Chaser. We assume it was Vadai Chaser all the way back until we knew definitely otherwise. Okay? So how does Shmuel, how did, what does Shmuel say? According to Shmuel, it should have been a Safek. So the Gemara says, no. Shani Hasam, the Ikomemar Hemet Kamehachaskaso. The Emer Lotaval. There it's different. There the vessels or the, or the people started as Tameh. So therefore they had a status quo as being Tameh. So a doubtful mitzvah can't change their status. So the Gemara says, one minute. Adrava. Hemed Mikvah Cheskasa Ve'emer Lo Chaser. Maybe I should say the Mikvah had a status of being full. And I should say that it was full when it was used. So the says, no. Ha'vei That you know, that status that you know has changed. Because you see now that it's lacking. So yes, you knew it was full, but now you see it's not full. So that, you have the past status and the current status. And those are head, head off. So what's going to therefore tr- decide is the person's chazak of being tameh. Right, you get it? The mitzvah's two statuses sort of neutralize each other. Past, you know it was good. Present, you know it's not good. Those sort of are neutralize each other. I know that I was tameh, so I don't know I went to a good mitzvah, so I remain tameh. Okay? So the Gemara says... Um, okay, but say the same thing here that you have the which is now a bogeret. So the same way we say there, it, it's now a lacking mikvah. We should say now she's a bogeret, so she before was a bogeret. The Gemara says no. Hush, do the bagua. No, no, no. There we could say she just became a bogeret now. nami So let's say the mikvah just became chaser right now. So the Gemara says no. Hasam tarti leyusa There, there's two bad. Here, there's one bad. Which means what? Which means okay. You have basically, she started as a Nara, now she's a Bogaret, okay? Okay, and this, the, so the current, and this area in the middle, right, these, like this area in the middle, that's the question in doubt. You don't know which status to apply the current status backwards or the past status forward, so this is all in doubt, okay? That's why Shmuel says it's a suffix. Don't, don't go by now because you have the past. Don't go by the past because you have the now. So the whole middle status is in suffix. By the mikvah, it's the same thing, okay? You have the mikvah was full, and then you have the mikvah that's chaser. So that's in doubt, okay? You're right, it's a suffix. But in this case, so what trumps is that this guy, you know, he was tamay, okay? Before he went into the mikvah. So this gets neutralized, so he remains Tamei. So that's Tarti Lareyusa. A, he's Tamei, and B, right now it's Chaser. Okay? Which is a way of saying this neutralizes itself, and therefore you're going to trump based on this status quo. Here it neutralizes itself, there's no status quo. So it remains a suffix. Okay. So the Gemara says, 
Okay, so how is Shmuel's case different than the barrel? Titania, we turn to Brisa. So somebody had a barrel filled with wine, and he's and he's going to anytime he needs to be mafish truma on some wine that he's going to newly press. He's going to say, yeah, two more ounces from that barrel are truma. Another two ounces, another two ounces. And then once he has accounted for the whole amount of wine in the barrel, he'll give it all to a kohen. Okay? But then he goes and he checks that barrel after a few weeks, and it's, and it's vinegar. So when was, did it become vinegar? Whenever it became vinegar, the truma didn't work. Okay? Truma only worked when it was wine. The first three days it's definite. Afterwards it's a doubt. Now, first three days, which way? There's a debate in the uh, in the in in another Gemara, which is you can read it that okay, it's the same idea. Okay, here you have his wine, and here you have his vinegar. Okay, and the question is, what's the story in the middle? Now, there's two ways of reading it. Some say the first three days, this is the moment you checked it was wine. This moment you checked it. First three days, it's definitely vinegar. Here it's a suffix, but anything that was done in the last three days is definitely not truma. Or the other read is the first three days after checking the wine, it's yeah. definitely wine, after, and everything was good afterwards. It's a suffix. Okay, but the three days doesn't really matter for us. For us, what matters is is that it's a suffix. Okay, but this should be like the mikvah case because this is a suffix, but your grain was definitely tevel, right? So how is that going to work? Let's take a look at the gemara. I mean, it isn't any different. Well, well, let's take a look, because it says it's a safek. It doesn't say it's vadai, not good, okay? Um, but let's take a look. Maishna, vadai, maishna dahacha safek. Why, by the case of mikvah, do we say it was vadai, tamay? Because the very fact he said that this applies even in the Rishut HaRabim means we're saying it's not a safek, it's vadai tamay. Why here do we say it was vadai tamay? And here we say it's safek, what the status is. You know what? You're right. It is no difference. The one who says that this case is a subfake, because actually I was confusing it by mentioning the status of the Tevel, because the Tevel maybe has a different story. But in terms of this stuff itself, right, whether the Tevel is Metuka, maybe that's different. But in terms of this wine itself, whether that's considered Truma, Okay, that should just be, there's no chazaka, you go in both directions, and it should be, and it's a fake, that makes sense, okay? So how about, but if that, but anyway, but how about that's true, so why don't we say here too it's a fake? So the Gemara says, you know what, you're right. The one who says that the Chavis is a Safek is Rabbi Shimon, and Rabbi Shimon says, the Gabi Mikvah Nami Safek Mashvi, and he says the Mikvah is also a Safek. What does he say by mikvah? Titania. He retroactively they're tamay. That's what we said. It's vadai no good. No. In Rashid Rabin they're definitely tahor. In Rashid Yachid they're a safek. Okay, that he has a general position that safek to Rashid Yachid is safek, not vadai. We don't have to worry about that. Anyway, okay. So whatever it is, there's a way of reconciling the chavis with the mikvah. That the that the chavis case is similar similar to the mikvah case. And if mikvah, if chavis is suffix, mikvah is suffix. If, if, if mikvah is vadai, the chavis is vadai. But essentially, it's the same case. So now we're going to say, Abul Rabbanan, Tevelum Afreya. Oh no, okay, so I was right the first time, sorry. For the, it is a chazaka. The same way here you have a chazaka of the person being tamay, here you have a chazaka of your grain being tevel. Okay? So, the Gemara says, 
so if you say here you go by the safek, then here you go by the safek. That's Rabbi Shimon. He says this is a safek and this is a safek. But according to the Rabbanan, this is a vadai. You go by the chazak of him being tamei, and this is a vadai. You go by the chazak of it being tavel. Okay, so fine. So those are the same. How is it different than this case? And the answer is once again going to be obvious because in this case you have tarti. You have somebody something that has a chazaka. In this case, you don't have anything that has a chazaka. Right, it's going to be the same answer. So Gemara says like this. Um, so, you have a chazaka of the tevel. It wasn't fixed. Say the yain has a chazaka of being wine. No, now, no, now it's vinegar. Here she's a bogus. No, hasu de bago. We say it's a tabi now. Hasanami hasu de ichmitz. No, hasan tarti lemeyusa harachad lemeyusa. Same point. Yes, in all these cases you have the current status of the past that is facing off. In all these cases you create a safek. The question is here, the man's chazaka bint is what dictates in the case of safek. The wine's chazaka bint tevel dictates in the case of safek. Here nothing dictates, so therefore it remains a safek and it's something who she's married to. No right. Exactly. Okay. Um, Name a kitanai. Let's say this is a fit, this is compared, links to a debate of tanai. Mi motzi miad mi. Now, a guy is, gives away all his property, and, um, and then he is, uh, if a person gives away all his property, right, if a person gives away all his property on his deathbed, and then he gets better, so the whole gift is, is void. Because we say he just gave it away expecting that he would die. Alright? Now, let's say a guy wrote, gave away, wrote away all his property, wrote it in a, in a gift, as a gift, okay? And now he's walking around and he's healthy, and he's saying, yeah, when I gave it away, I was on my deathbed, now I'm doing better. And all the recipients of his gift say, uh, you weren't on your deathbed when you gave it away. You were fine and healthy when you gave it away. Okay? So who gets to keep the property? So me, motzi, me, ad, me. Who can take it from whom? Who motzi, me, adam, below raya? The heini motzi, me, adam, below raya. Diva Rabbi Yaakov. Rabbi Yaakov says basically you believe him, which means that you presume he did give it on his deathbed. Why? Presumably because he was the original owner of the property. So therefore you give him, they have the, they have the burden of proof. Okay? Rabbi Nosson Omer, no. In Barihu, Allah, Rabbi Yaakov. Now he's healthy. He has to prove that he was on his deathbed when he gave it away. You, was t- you look at his current status. And that makes us presume what it was when he gave away the property. Okay. Um, and if now he's on his deathbed, then they have to bring a proof that he was healthy. So name a Rav Damak Rebbe And let's say Rav goes like Rebbe Nassim, because Rav says you look at his current status, and you assume his current status is what was true before. The same way Rod says, now she's a Bulgaric, she was a Bulgaric before. But Shmuel Dummer, Krebi Yaakov, and Shmuel says, no, you know, you don't look at his current status, and you go by, and therefore you would just go by what the normal state of the property was, which was in his possession. So the Gemara says, no. Um, Rav, Rav could say to you, I could go like Rabbi Yaakov, who says that you don't go by his current status of being healthy to take the property away from him. Why does Rabbi Yaakov say you ignore his current status? 
Same point before about you have neutralizing, but you have some other chazaka. So yes, here, maybe right now he's healthy, but you have some other thing that factors in, which is the property of the chazaka and being under his ownership. But here, the body did not have a chazaka of not changing. It was actually in the process of changing. Okay, so yes, by the case of Bogaris, I'll say she was a Bogaris this morning because the body was in the process of changing. But in this case, I'm going to say, I don't know whether he was sick or not when he gave away the property, but what I do know is the property was under his possession, and I'll assume it remains under his possession. Again, yeah, it's similar to the Tarki, yes. I could say even like Rebbe Nelson who says that you go by the current status and if currently he's healthy you assume he was healthy before and you would actually give the property away to the recipient right why why would we take the property out of his chazaka if you know because most people are not on their deathbed you want to make a claim you on your deathbed what's your evidence Okay? It's very different. In this case, we know she started as a Nara. We know she's now a Bogareth. We know she was in the process of changing. That creates a whole suffix. There, who, how the heck, why should we think you were stomach on your deathbed? Don't have to give all the way on the all right, but there's no evidence you on your deathbed. And the, that fact, and the fact that you're healthy now, combined with the reality that most people aren't on their deathbed, is strong enough to take the property out of your possession. Okay, if you want us to take you out of the presumption that you were healthy, you'd have to prove it. Here she's not taking herself out of some chazaka. Okay, she started as a Nara, now she's a Bogaret. Both of those are reasonable, you know, statuses that she could have. And the question is just when she had it. So therefore that remains a suffix. All right, last attempt. We're going to get to the Mishnah today. <laughs> Maybe it's like this tonight, which actually seems like there's an explicit machloka tonight, which is exactly Robin Shmuel. She married her, her father married her on the way, and she married herself in the city. And now she's a Bogaris. You go by her current status, you assume her father's kiddushin was not binding, it was her kiddushin, now she's a Bogaris, then she was a Bogaris. And the other place it says, no, you don't know when she became a Bogaris, and she's married potentially to, to either man she needs to get from both men. My love, that sounds like the debate of Robin Shmuel, it's exactly the same debate. No, no, I debate it Shmuel, I could say they're both going like Shmuel. What is she saying? What is she saying about when she became a Bulgaris? So maybe we'll go like Shmuel that says that it's a suffix. But we will go like Rav and say that we trust that, 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 that she was a Bulgaris earlier when she actually claims she was a Bulgaris earlier. If we don't know, she, she says, I don't know when this happened, then it's a suffix like Shmuel. But maybe Shmuel himself would agree to Rav when she said she became a Bulgaris earlier yes, in the day. Right. Like our mission about the, uh, somewhat like our mission. The name of Midamas Nisolo Pligi, if that's how you're going to reconcile the Brightas, Amarai Namilo Pligi, maybe Rav and Shmuel aren't in disagreeing. Maybe Rav is talking about a case when she makes a claim, and Shmuel is talking about a case when she doesn't make a claim. 
the wife says, Vitisra? Does that really make sense? They're not disagreeing. Harav Yosef, he ruled like Rav, that said she was a Bulgarian and rejected the father's Kiddushin and went by her Kiddushin. And Shmuel got very upset. How could you be so lenient and say, say, oh, we definitely know that it was her Kiddushin and not the father's. She was a Bulgarian in the morning. Right? That's taking, that's playing with fire. Maybe it's the father's Kiddushin was binding. Um, Everybody else just uses a small basket, was like given their their wisdom in a small basket. You were giving this rabbi, this this no name rabbi, all of a sudden he got his wisdom in a big basket. Like like he's so smart. You're such a big chacham. You're big. You know more than anybody else. Normal big rabbis would think it's a suffix and would be you know trepidatious to paskin about this case. And you all of a sudden are such a big chacham that you know that we can go like Rav and you know that the father, that, that she was a Bulgarian in the morning and you don't have to worry about the Kiddushin of the father. Encouraging him pedagogically. Exactly. Okay. He is. He's, in, he's teaching him about a little year's Shemayim Psaq. So anyway, so you see Rav and Shmuel actually disagree, right? Because he's actually, if, Rav, if they weren't disagreeing, then, uh, then why would he be upset he possibly like Rav? If he also agrees with Rav, if he makes a claim. And if they really, if they really didn't disagree, why is Shmuel getting so upset? Maybe that was a case where she kind of, where she make a, made a claim. So it sounds like Rav and Shmuel really are disagreeing. Okay. Although the Gemara is a little bit unclear at the end, does that mean even if they're not yeah. contradicting or only when they're contradicting? It sounds like, but there's questions of the gear, so questions exactly how to read that last piece we did. It's the way we read it, it sounds like we would rule she's Vare Bogeres, you don't go by the Father's Kiddushin, um, even, um, even if she doesn't contradict him, but it is possible that obviously if we're talking in the case when she does contradict him and that would be more reason to say that you believe her and you believe that she was a Bulgarian in the morning okay <laughs>